Welcome to episode 848 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio team, welcome along to episode 400, no sorry, 848 of I Am Talk with Coach John Mewson, Bevan James Oz. How you going mate? I am pretty good Bevan, how about yourself? Uh, feeling pretty fired up, do you know why? Why's that? Going away tomorrow. Going away, where are you going? Got Queenstown. Queenstown. Got the Queenstown Marathon on this weekend, so John and I thought, well why, why, why do we make a long weekend out of it? So we're going to go tomorrow and come back Monday. Yeah, very nice. Need a break. Like Queenstown. Yeah. Good spot. We, we like we stay in, uh, around kind of Nugget Point area, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a bit out of town, mm-hmm. but it's also really nice. So it's sleeping in, cool. You know when you get that week of sleeping in? No, don't I don't do sleep ins. But when you go away, do you sleep in a little bit longer? No, not usually. What do you do? Get up, seize the day. Carpe diem, Bevan. Carpe but, but wait a diem. second. So you're in, you're in criteria. Yeah. What, what time do you normally get up? Uh, six. Something like that. I don't usually sleep in much. Maybe the occasional one. But that's about it. Get up, do some exercise, ease into the day. I see. I'll, I'll sleep in on holiday, but sleep in's like seven. Mm. But I'll wake up. I will wake up at the same time. But I'll read. Mm. I'll get my book, read, have a nap. Yeah, read some more. Maybe have a bit of bowl and chicka bowl. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> holidays are coming. I wasn't, I wasn't going there. <laughs> holidays are coming. I took is proudly brought to you by. Form goggles. Get the most accurate real-time metrics, hundreds of guided workouts, and lap-by-lap motivation. Check them out at form. .swimformswim.com and use the promo code IM15. We've got some news on the MFO as well, haven't we, later on? We have. Yeah. Uh, also, our patrons. Scott the Minister Morrison. Or Nick, or and Nick knows, or the admirable, the admirable, the ab- he is admirable. admirable. Yeah. Nick, Nick Rose. Rose. He's still doing lots of racing. I see on Facebook. He's still beasts it out. He is. Yep. Yep. And Stephen, the storm doing this. Okay, in this week's show, we've got uh, news, hot topic of the week, we've got uh, age group of the week, we've got a great interview. We have, we're talking to Leon Chevalier from uh, France, always based in Bath in the UK, finished uh, two top tens this year in both Kona and St George, so World Championships, and still a very new pro, and can bike like an absolute beast, runs bloody good, still would work on the swim a little bit. But, Big future uh, in front of him, but isn't yeah, he? He could, uh, yeah. Keep an eye out for him. Uh, Wing or question is answered. Just one thing. The company that did the Partners Triathlon, what was that company? The Couples Triathlon. Couples Triathlon. It was a bank. Was it? Uh, It was some sort of bank. I don't know what the name of the bank was. It wasn't the the most exciting event of the year. Yeah. But the bank was sponsoring a bunch of the athletes and... uh, Okay, I'll do a bit of research for news. Okay, okay, let's get into the news, guys. So we have a race result happening up. We had uh, the Melbourne 70.3 happen over the weekend. So tell us all about it. Uh, Ali Selhouse took that out. Good way to finish the year. She's had a bit of a rocky old year. Took that out. And Stephen McKenna took out the boys race. And Stephen is a great athlete in Australia. Absolutely crushes it. Still struggling to get the formula outside of Australia. Like this year he won... Melbourne 70.3, second at Sunshine Coast 70.3, um, won a bunch of other races in Australia, did okay at a few other ones, but um, didn't really fire at the PTO Canadian Open, only finished 36 and finished 20th at California, but in Australia, he is an absolute weapon, uh, so good on him, and good on Ali Salthouse, so not, not too many races at this time of the year, 
but we have got a few coming up. Uh, so coming up this weekend, got Ironman Cozumel last year. Christian Blumenfeld took that out in 721. Um, it is uh, the swim is uh, notoriously short, well not necessarily short, but um, title title assisted. Uh, Sarah Svens took out the females in 822. Uh, we have got a pretty reasonable field there. You've got Magnus Ditlev, Peter Hemerick. Andre Lopez uh, amongst Rudy Von Berg, Jan van Berkel, Michael Weiss, Sandy Potts, Tyler Butterfield. So for a race at this time of the year, it's uh, pretty solid on the boys' side. Equally on the girls' side, you've got uh, Sarah Svens, Lisa Norton, uh, Garutz Laralde. Um, so yeah, good strong field for this time of year. And Ironman Arizona is also on. Last year, Nick. Last year there was no race. Oh, last year it was a female pro only, and Sarah Crowley took it out. No, that was 2019. Jeez, I'm in Arizona. Either they must have just had various COVID delays. So first time since 2019 this race has been on. And again, very strong field and should be a great race because you've got um, Joe Skipper, Matt Hansen, Cam Wirth, Chris Leiferman, Christian Hogenhaal, Bart Arnold, Sam Long. And like it's almost the battle of the uh, battle of the non-swimmers there. Um, however, the other one in the mix, which will be interesting to see, and he is a good swimmer, is um, Ben Canute is doing his first iron distance race. Oh, okay. so finished second at seventy point three worlds. Comes from a short course background. The problem he's going to have here is I think he's going to be uh, a bit lonely at the front of the race early on because all those others. Uh, Swimming is their weakness, to put it put it mildly. One other name to watch out for is I, I saw a German on the. Whenever you see a German on the start list, you go, yeah, yep. probably, probably going to be yep, quite good. Be right. This guy Ruben Zapinski, uh, Zapinski, uh, and so I thought I'll, I'll just have a quick look look him up. He's an ex-pro cyclist. He's still relatively young. I think twenty nine. Uh, I think he might have in rote. He was absolutely smashing it, uh, and so he is one to watch out for. Yeah, at rote. He only finished 16th. He finished um, fourth at the Euro Champs in 2021. So at Road last year, they did have uh, the course was shortened. They had roadworks or something like that, and they couldn't do couldn't do the full course. Patrick Langer ended up absolutely crushing it. Um, but this dude, keep an eye out for him. He he rode amazingly, swam reasonably, and run was uh, an hour slower than Patrick Langer. But uh, if he gets it together, he could be someone to watch out for. So it should be some great racing. Uh, on the female side, again, awesome field. Sky Monch and Sarah True um, look like they'll be battling that one out. Um, yeah, very strong fields for the end of the season. Obviously, people trying to get their Kona slots early so they can focus on different things throughout next year. But uh, Good times. So going back to the couples triathlons. So the, the, Why are you fascinated in this race? Well, it was an absolute non-event. No, 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 because young Ellie from the gym, who you'd know, Ellie, um, she does races. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah. Um, Taylor, isn't it? I don't know her last name. I just know it's Ellie. Yeah, Ellie Taylor. Taylor right? She's I, don't quite really, good. I don't really get to know um, members' last names, mm. whereas you're, you're a race director. Yep. Whereas my runners, I know all their names. Mm-hmm. You know, yep, but members. Ellie, she's lovely. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. doing really well, isn't she? But she was saying the organisation who did that have done this thing, which I haven't seen, where they're going to, basically pay for a pro for a year, a young up-and-coming pro, mm-hmm. and they're going to give them accommodation and stuff in um, Boulder. Mm-hmm. You're going to get, like, your rent paid for, get, like, an amount of cash, mm-hmm. and they're putting applications out there for young pros, obviously up-and-coming. Mm-hmm. I don't know if how many slots they're giving. Maybe it's one or two. Um, I was just trying to find any kind of PR around it, but I haven't found it. Have you heard about it? No. But quite, yeah. eh? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I think these are good, the people that, yeah, they're going to get a bit of PR and exposure out of this. Yeah. Um, not if they don't actually put any out. Yeah. But I think they're just trying, they just feel bad for people that are doing this, pros that are trying to make a way in this sport. Uh, Waterfall, the couples triathlon was, or couples championship was based from Waterfall Bank. So there's yes, obviously there someone a, at that bank who, yeah. who's got a lot of money. Well, they've got a bit of a out. team. I remember they did set up a bit of a team, I think, with. Rennie and Tim right. O'Donnell yeah. and, and, a, and a few others. So mm. maybe it's a part of a team thing and they're going to put one development athlete on the team each year. Yeah, so, um, but it's cool, you know, like I, I like it. Now, I imagine there'd be a lot of young pros who'd love that opportunity, you know, so again, if you're a young pro right now, you know somebody's a young pro, they want a pretty cool opportunity, do some Google searches, you probably won't find an answer, <laughs> but, but hopefully there's something out there. Okay, so we had the ITU update. Oh, we've got one, one other race is on this weekend, the... Kinesa, uh, the Kinesa Extreme Triathlon in South Africa looks pretty epic. You swim 5k, you bike 174k, and you run 50k. Doesn't have that massive uphill finish that you do in a lot of these extreme races. Um, but swimming 5k, starting at five five o'clock in the morning, uh, and the bike course is 174k's with 2,759 meters of altitude. And then the run course is 50Ks with 1,000 metres of altitude, which is still you know, good, good dose when you're uh, good, good dose when you're tired. So you want to go to South Africa at some stage. It's one of those things. All these races are self-supported. So from an organisational point of view, pretty easy to run, <laughs> pretty easy to, run to be honest, I'd say. Mm. So uh, check it out. Okay, have you found the page? It's called waterfallracing.com. Got, have, have you got what it takes? Apply to be the pro project for the opportunity to train like a pro with, with the pros. You must be in the 2023 member to apply. So obviously you've got to be a member of the organization. And I think it's one of these things where you pay 75 bucks to be a member. Mm-hmm. Um, what you get is you get travel to and from Boulder. You get a house with the pros for one year. Mm-hmm. You get $12,000 stipend which is basically split of cash yeah. um, and the full support of waterfall racing so obviously cool. coaching and stuff so yeah if you're a young person who's and you've got to be between the ages of 18 and 25 to apply so if you want to become be, do that experience check it out at, I'll put, uh, the re- link is waterfallracing.com okay John now what's happening in the in the, in the world of short course yep we had a, the one of the last world cups of the year at Vina del Mar in Chile Sandra Dode took that out one of Frenchie and then on the boys side we had um, it was a local Chilean athlete just got pipped by three seconds by uh, David Fajaro from España uh, and now we are looking forward in a week and a half's time to the grand finale which is going to be in Abu Dhabi and it's going to be awesome because it's very much undecided and could go any way. What's the course of, like? Uh, it's flat, bit technical, bit of it goes around the race course um, so nothing in terms of... Uh, trickiness about it but it has got a lot of corners on it so if you could if you can get away you can potentially stay away um, but it's going to be really interesting because it's not a done deal you'd say you know Hayden Wild and Alex Shear you both they're both their last races have been pretty below average by their standards and then um, Flora Duffy versus Georgia Taylor Brown and it's basically winner takes all whoever whoever, whoever finishes higher is uh, is going to take it out but uh, Yee has to have somebody between him and Hayden Wild, so I'm picking uh, Wild Hayden Wild to win it. Oh no, to, get the to win regardless. So whether he beats Yee or not, I reckon he'll be one place behind Yee or one place in front of him. And so, it's funny about that. when you're in a situation like that where there's kind of a result you need to get, which isn't necessarily winning the race, 
What's your tactic? Do you yeah. still try to win the race? Go for the jugular. You do. Gotta go for the win. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, if you blow, yeah, totally. Uh, on the female side, I'm packing Flora Duffy. You love her, don't you? I do. If you weren't married, Fatuated. Um Okay, this week's discussion. So this week's discussion was how many races do you do in a season? Distance and reasons was what we had here. So we've got quite a few answers on this one. So, Joe, you can go first. Um, Sid Sudowski, I've done four outlaw distance tries, never done any other triathlons, had intentions of sprint, Olympic and half build-ups, but lack of cash stopped me. Next year I'm doing the Brutal Extreme Triathlon double on a BMX, but hopefully I don't Jeez. think a practice events are going to help. I'll just be training as hard as I can and get a single speed 20-inch BMX and uh, around a horrific course. It's going to be horrible. Yeah, it, doesn't, it does not sound like right, fun to me. Bike. Brent, well, yeah, Chan has got, uh, I probably race 270.3 a year, two to four sprints and an Olympic distance race a year. Things that keep me from racing more, trying to squeeze in the train, uh, the training and the running races um, to at least one ultra marathon a year in recent years. And I volunteer and officiate at five to six races a year. I have a policy that I volunteer or officiate at least as once as much as I often, oh, sorry, as often as I race. Nice. Good That's on really good. you. Yep. Everybody, I, I probably say this quite often. Give back to the sport. Once a year. That's all. Brent's over and above what's required. And it's an official. Once a year, marshal at a race or something. Marshalling is, helps massively. Once a year. That's all it takes. Everybody does that. Hunky dory. We're all good. Uh, Mark Nelson, he does one full Ironman, four ultras, and five to six marathons. He goes long, doesn't do any short stuff. Belfong's got three to four sprint and Olympic distance races. Only thing that stops me doing more is cost and the motivation to train as it gets later in the season. Mm. Uh, Margot Southgate, one, two, or three fulls, depending on restrictions. No halves, maybe just in training because there are so few to choose from here in New Zealand and timing clashes with other life or maybe does one or two standards. Good old Nick Rose, who we mentioned earlier, has got two Ironmans, three seventy point threes, and the odd standard. It's all costs. Prefer to go abroad to do bucket lists, and it just ends up with the whole oh, taking up the whole family as well. Next year, we've decided to do a seventy point three without the family, and then two full weeks in the US for Ironman within the, with the family. Start saving already. Tim Tansley says this year is in one sprint and two Olympic. Would have done um, more, but six of the races within fifty miles of me. We're on two weekends, three on each uh, on Sundays. Um, one other long-standing sprint was cancelled with the organisers citing too much bureaucracy. Next year, a couple of sprints, a couple of Olympics and a half. Good old Ollie, the sausage man, Jenna. 170.3 alternate with one full every year. Uh, so year about. Uh, two, one to two Olympics, three to four sprint distance. Uh, course variety is the fact that it stops me from doing more. A lot more races are very similar. Mm, good point. Emma Kate uh, Gribben says one Olympic and one to two halves. Things that stop me doing more are working full time and costs. Would be good to travel to other races but stick with more local races to keep costs down. I also aim to officiate volunteer at one to two races a year and she's not just talking out her butt there because I know that she does turn up at races and helps out both marshalling and Setting up and stuff like that. Good work. Kylie Cox is a bit like that as well, and she's here as well. The, what's she? The hot chick. Uh, 270.3s per season when fit. Uh, do my two favourite local standards and maybe one sprint. Reason for not doing more choice in New Zealand. Not enough hilly 70.3s. Training blocks and a hard work, and there's more to life than just triathlon. Oh, you're wrong with me, Kylie. There's nothing. Yeah. There's not, there's yeah, not more to on, life. Kylie. Come on. Who cares about your kids? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Uh, there we go. Oh, no, we'll do one more. Bell Fong says uh, three to four I sprints. Are you done here? Cool. Yep. We're all done then. Did you do Tony, Tony Hodge? 
no. I did only one ultra, one full distance. There you go. Who are you? Uh, so I, I'm totally different to everybody else because oh, I'm in a slightly different scenario in terms of organising races. If I was coach, and when I coach people, and if I wasn't organising races and coaching and all that sort of stuff, and I, I would you, I would aim to do probably a, a full every two to three years, and then I would uh, do a half each season. And then whatever sort of local stuff's available that sort of fit it in. But yeah, I just, it blows my mind. I totally understand a lot of people saying cost is an issue. Absolutely get that. Yeah. Which is another reason why you should be supporting local smaller events. Um, so you've got to take cost into, into consideration. But I just, people just don't race enough. And if, if you take, if cost isn't an issue, racing is just the best form of training not every weekend but if I was building up for an Ironman I'd want to have a half in there somewhere six to eight weeks out and then I'd want to have like maybe a sprint and Olympic earlier in the season or spread in there somewhere so you've got three good races in say a 16 to 18 week period to help build you towards the race you just mentally you just get so much out of them they're fantastic from a, from a training point of view and you just kind of get in the groove and take some of the yeah, you know, curveballs out of race day. Well, for me, when I was doing the sport, it was two Ironman a year, one or two halves, but often mm. there'd be a training day half. It'd be something you mm. put on and you get a group of people together. I, I don't think I ever really did that. I'd, maybe did one or two Olympics. Mm. Not, I'm pretty rare. I don't think I did any sprints. So I didn't race a lot, but I did a lot of cycle racing. Mm. You know, and as you said, that took my cycling to the next level. Like, mm. And I would race probably cycle racing probably 10 to 12 races a year. Yeah. You know, I was pretty much every Saturday I'd go out to the cycle races and I even did the lo- like um, the local series, which I think's passed away now, hasn't it? Yeah. Which is really it's disappointing. Just, I just go on and on about this. If you want, local races is, it's the life part of the, it, yeah. it is, and it's, it creates, sometimes we've just got to not be selfish necessarily and think of the big picture. Like if local races die, that stops the development of our sport yeah. for juniors and stuff coming so, yeah. through. So even if you're going to do it, now if it's, 300 bucks or something. Yeah, it's different. I, I get it. But if a local race is... But my local cycle races are probably 40 bucks. Yeah, you if know. they're reasonably priced and you can go and do it as a good hard training session, like what you would have probably done, bike racing, you bike out there, you do the race, you bike home. Well, even tr- about, back in the day, they had series where you were doing 120Ks. Yeah. And they were hard. Yeah. You know, and, and it was a, a real top-end stuff because, you know, it's not that kind of one one zone riding, you know, it's that real spiky stuff. Mm. Um, but made it made me a much better cyclist. But if you had a, 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 a duathlon or a triathlon, you know, you bike out there, maybe 30K, you do the race, bike home, fantastic recovery. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just urge people to do local races. Um, one thing I didn't do was running racing. I never did any running racing. Hmm. You do a little bit of it, don't you? Yeah, but I, I probably wouldn't do any running racing during and, the and build up for the season. That why? Would be, just the risk of injury? Yeah, and it's just really, really hard on the body. Yeah. Um, so I might do a few at the old park run or something like that. But running racing, I'd probably reserve for when I'm in a running block. Yeah. Okay, so this week's question was the one I kind of thought up out of my butt last week. It was. How was the hardest way you could imagine creating an Ironman? So what you need to do is you need to swim 3.8, bike 180, and run 42.2. When you write this into Facebook, you'll need to pad that up, make sure it's nice and clear. Uh, do I have to? Yes. People otherwise, are you listening? No, they're not. They're Sharp enough. <laughs> so if you were to design, you had to cover that distance, but you can mix and match it. So you can do like a 100-meter swim, yeah. <laughs> whatever. You know, what, what would be the hardest way to put together completing an Ironman distance where it's actually just trying to blitz yourself? Yeah, there you go. Interesting stuff. 
Okay, John's quiz question. question. Prior to the 1995 ITU World Champs, which was the first draft legal race, it was held in Cancun. Um, How many times did Australia win the World Champs? Because back then it was a one-day format. First World Champs was in 1989, so there's six World Championships. You'll know this one. Uh, I'll be able to work it out. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I think I'll be able to work it out. Uh, How many of them were Australian? Guys and girls. Yeah, the, the 90s and... Early 2000s, Australia were dominating. Were they the dominant dojo. in the early 90s? Well, that's what we're going to find out. Yeah. Because I know they were in the late 90s, mm. but in the early. Okay, well, here's what we find out. Uh, let's go age group of the week. week. Okay, hi, Bevan and John. I'd like to. No, who's this from? This is from Brett, Brett Chang. Chang. Okay, he's got. I'd like to nominate Kylie Eckford as age group of the week. Kylie is a Brit who lives in Canada, a single mum and triathlete and swim coach. She has an outstanding had an outstanding twenty twenty two season, including a fifth place in the female twenty five to thirty five to thirty nine age group last week at the seventy point three World Championships in St George. It was a few weeks ago now, but okay. yeah. Uh, as strictly a seventy point three racer, Kylie has perfected the 15, 10,500 points in the all world. Athlete ranking system A victory at 70.3 quarter lane Uh, First in her age group Third overall female A victory at Victoria First in her age group Second overall female And then Augusta uh, She got 70.3 as well She got first in her age group Ninth overall female The past weekend Kylie was an outstanding fifth At the 70.3 World Championships With a swim of 30.47 A bike of 2.49.22 And then a run of 1.23.29 Her run split would have put her 12th amongst the professional athletes This season comes off the back Of an overall age group win At the IML 70.3 North Carolina In 2021 I believe Kylie deserves recognition Not just for being an age group of the week But for being her fantastic season in 2022 gotta say that's awesome one thing with not with having some non-pro 70.3s bit like when i went to kona yep it's pretty cool when you can win a race as an age grouper outright uh so for kylie to win the 70 the only downfall is because when you won it they did the split swim start didn't they yeah so were you the first cross the line uh i was actually okay so that's cool yeah, because you want to have that experience, don't you? Oh, totally. Yeah, especially over there, you got the little uh, thingy me, the thingy me. Did I get thingy me for the head? I think I did. And like a, what do you call it? Like a what is the name of that? It's called a halo. <laughs> hovers over me. Is it really called a halo? No, it's not. It's a little lay because lays around the neck, isn't it? And then you got a big lay thing as well. Um, so yeah, Kylie's won won a race. She's uh, finished except fifth of world champs and amazing run split by the sound of it. So multiple awesome performances. So well done, Kylie. Don't you love it when you have a season like that? Yeah, like basically win everything you turn up to. Loving it, it's sensational. Yeah. And she's got to balance it all in being a single mum. Yeah. Uh, so Kylie, Kylie Ackford, you are our age group of the week. week. Okay, let's go into sponsor. Let's talk about form because they actually changed their pricing model. They have. So you know, originally when you form goggles first came out, you sort of bought them and you're away, you go and you you do your thing. They switched that across to when they brought out you know big workout feature where they've got that library of workouts. Then you were able to do it on a um, subscription basis where you paid a monthly fee and that gave you access to a huge library of workouts. Now they've gone to sort of a little bit of a combo, whereas now you can basically buy the goggles. Um, they cost 228 US and then the first year you basically have the, all the workouts 
workouts unlocked so you can do all of the workouts um, and then after that if you want to keep that sort of locker of workouts available to you then there's a lesser monthly subscription fee it's 15 bucks a month which is a 25% reduction on the old subscription price um, so it basically means when you buy them now you've got access to everything and then after a year you can decide if you want those workouts this uh, the goggles still work after after a year if you don't have the workouts um, but you just can't tap into them you've got to make your own workouts up uh, would you work for, you know th- this is great about this option isn't it because you've got to got those people who probably you know swim squad someone's well, running well, up for you yeah. you just want to use the data as you're swimming mm. and you've got people who turn up with nothing to do and they go you know what here's what I need today so it kind of gives you the option for both people doesn't it and Christmas is coming Bevan and if you need to drop some hints for somebody to get you... you How do you know, drop the hint? What's the best way to drop the hint? Uh, send, Wear your old goggles around house yeah. when you're doing dishes at night and just go, you know what, these I need f- my stats on my dishes. <laughs> these are fogging up and I, I don't know what I did at the pool. I'd, maybe you watch, say, look, this will be a good one. I'm really concerned about the, the longevity of my watch swimming it within the pool because that's actually got some factual truth oh, to it. Oh, there we go. Yep. Because, um, I can save money by getting the form goggles. My watch will last longer if I don't wear it in the pool because it really it does actually stuff up. I've heard stories of it stuffing up the, alt- the barometer oh, and altitude and stuff there just because you you're in chlorine the whole time. And it does have some wear and tear, the strap. you know, I'm sure that must wear the strap down a bit more. So you just got to build up your arsenal of uh, reasons why you need them. You do the old, just, oh, I was listening to Bevan John on the podcast and they talk about these formulas. They sound so amazing. I really love them. Another one is you'd say, if I get these goggles, I'm going to be racing faster, which means I'll be finished with the race earlier, which means I can spend more quality time That's with you. That's right, because it'll probably save you three minutes in the swim. So yep. lots of reasons so uh, why you should be easy sale. So again, if you want to get the goggles, go to formswim.com com slash I am talk now. Yep. We've changed it. Yep. Yep. Slash I am talk. Use the promo code I am uh, 15. Yep. Um, and then get an awesome Christmas present. Get some goggles that will actually make you a better swimmer. One thing, they do last a long time. Like goggles, as long as you look yeah, after I wonder, them. I was actually thinking that before. What's the lifespan like? So I've the pair that I've got at the moment, I've got a new pair coming. Um, but the pair that I've got, I've had them for a long time. Like I'm, I'm thinking at least three years. Oh, wow. That's really good. Um, and you have to use them. Well, I'm using them pretty much every session now. And what you find with regular goggles, they'll fog up, start to fog up and get a bit misty and stuff. Yeah. And you can't necessarily see and it gets a bit frustrating. But with these goggles, the, the display is really bright. So even if, if they do start to fog up, um, you, still you, still, you still see what you've done. And you don't, uh, I, I just, it doesn't So basically you're three years. Oh, mine are still going strong. Like I've got a new pair, but I'm going to, um, the yeah. other pair is still going perfectly well. Oh, wow. So, uh, so the yeah. good quality as well. Yeah. Okay, so again, formswim.com slash talk. Okay, Jonbo, we've got an interview. We have. We're talking to Leon Chevalier from France. Here we go. Righto, team. Uh, today's interviewee is a French-based pro living in uh, Bath in the UK. Uh, did his first race on the PTO rankings in terms of racing pro by the look of it in 2019. Uh, so pretty new to the game. Obviously, COVID probably interrupted things. They've currently ranked 10th on the PTO rankings, 7th in Kona, 6th at St. George earlier in the year. Um, wins at Elk Duez Triathlon, Ironman Mallorca, Ombrum, and also a Masters of Chemical Engineering. So he's got it all. He's got it all. Got it all. And he's in hot demand at the moment. His name's Leon Chevalier. Um, welcome along to the show. Uh, hi guys, thanks for having me. And sorry, I'm already taken by uh, Flory Bats. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what what's training look like today? Um, so I'm literally just got back in the office today. I was looking for a photo to post on Instagram um, before going on the call and can't really find the content I, I want. So um, 
yeah, I just had a short swim about an hour um, and a 30 minute jog. Walked the dog, had some calls and everything. With regards to that kind of the photo on Instagram thing, you know, nowadays being a pro, kind of part of your job is that social media aspect of it. How much of that do you feel you have to do? And do you enjoy doing it or is it just kind of a part of the role? Well, I'm lucky now that, you know, I've got great sponsors. Um, like I, I don't need the, um, you know, the influencer, if I dare say, um, exposure sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I, I guess I'm lucky in that I, I got good results and um, that was enough to, to get people to back me. And yeah, don't don't really need to do the Instagram, but at the same time, I see how people actually enjoy and they engage and, you know, I get loads of messages and I really enjoy getting back to people. And when I feel like I can make, you know, a little contribution either to their, I don't know, their choice of, uh, of shoes or you know, their fueling plan for their next race. Um, it's it's nice to do. And I don't feel that sort of pressure to to post all the time. And, you know, like every Friday I need to get a video out or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do enjoy, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to get great photos from uh, photographers around the world in great locations. And it's always nice to be able to share that on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in Bath in the UK. Um, for people who haven't been there before, lovely little place, um, like lots of rolling hills and a good little training hub. But, you, you know, listening to your accent, um, you know, you, you race for France. You haven't got a very strong French accent. I believe you've maybe lived in the States for a bit as well. T- tell us a bit about your background and why you're in Bath and perhaps why you're staying there, if you're staying there for the whole winter. Because um, whilst it's nice over summer, there's probably better places to train over winter. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, the last few years we've only stayed in Bath basically over the winter and every summer we'd go away to France for racing and staying by the beach and in the mountains. But um, yeah, I basically, I've got two French parents. I was born in France. Um, France is the only passport I've got. Um, It's 100% French and at the age of two, um, we moved to the US near near New York and... uh, basically grew up on the beach um you know running around in in the sea all the time from age two to seven then we moved back to France and I spent the next 15 years there and um back I think it was 2015 I actually started a um an engineering degree back in France and uh, yeah I mean I was getting on and but wasn't enjoying it too much and at the same time starting to get not too bad at triathlon, I guess. And in 2018, I decided to um, to move to Bath where um, my girlfriend, Flory, had started studying in 2017. And there was an amazing setup um, in terms of training group and great infrastructure and just like an environment that I felt would lead to um, better performances. And just, it was a step up I needed in my training and, um, and also a great, chemical engineering degree at the university so I just moved in 2018 and finally completed the master's this year and uh yeah I'm here to to stay and I'll be staying for a while training like training at home is great if I get the opportunity to go on training camp I might um so far you know I've been staying here because I've had to go to lectures and all of that but this is the first year where I'll get a bit more flexibility um so I'll see but I mean I love staying at home. Um, we've got a, a new puppy now and everything, so there's no reason mm-hmm. to, to go away. 
When, when you were, you know, obviously engineering is kind of probably was the career path you were thinking. Was there always an ambition to be a professional athlete or was it more you could just kind of started the game and kind of realized you were pretty good at it? Um, yeah, I've always wanted to be a professional athlete. I just didn't really know what sport. Um, I was really into uh, um, free ride skiing back in the day for some reason. And I did a bit of windsurfing. And basically every time I started something, I'd get quite good at it and I'd be like oh you know what I want to do this as a job um but you yeah I mean life as a professional athlete it's not um it's not uh it's definitely not like uh, the regular path and uh, it's a bit unconventional it's getting more and more I don't know popularized and people recognize it as a career now and more than they might have say 10 years ago and um so that's why I went into engineering or just made sure that I finished my study. So my, you know, my parents, grandparents were happy about that. Um, and also I'm like, I'm like really um, interested in engineering and especially in all these uh, skiing, windsurfing and our triathlon, there's a big part of the equipment. Um, well, equipment plays such a big part in the sport that I was always interested in. How I was actually, how do you actually develop the equipment? How do you make it better? And how do you become a better athlete through better equipment? And that's why I went to, yeah, that's why I pursued engineering on the, I guess, on the side or I don't know. (laughs) How did you, how how far did you go as an age group? You know, what's the, what's the jump been like? Because the last two years you've had some great success. So when you're an age grouper, were you, were you dominating or has it been a really big jump up since you sort of started racing pro? Well, I, I never actually raced age group. Um, I, you know, I started off racing um, the youth stuff in in France. Uh, there's like a big, in, like big structure for um, mm. racing the duathlons at a local level, and then you qualify for regional and then national champs, and that's duathlon early on in the season, and then you get the triathlon season, and uh, so it's like proper racing, especially when you look at the the level of the French team now on the ITU circuit. It's like just saturated oh. with talent and um so i got my head kicked in over there and <laughs> like still kind of enjoyed it and some somehow got better and better and i was uh finishing higher up um at national champs every year and so i i went into trying uh, the itu circuit i actually did my first itu race was back in 2018 and i finished fourth um it was an african cup and i was like kind of blown away because I was just kind of winging it in training and just, I just showed up to this race in Morocco and mm. all these other guys were training full time. Um, they'd all moved to say Girona to, to live mm. the European pro athlete life. And I, I literally just finished my exams, went to Morocco and came forth and uh, they were asking me if I was going to world champs, the under 23 world champs. And I just said, I I don't know, like the French Federation don't even know I exist. I don't think I'll get selected. Um, but it kind of made me realize that actually I I, I probably wasn't too bad and um, it was worth giving triathlon a shot. And that's why I moved to Bath because I felt the environment would help me take that next step. And um, it just so happened that in 2019, I raced my first, my first French Grand Prix in triathlon. Uh, with Versailles and Max Neumann was um, was on my team and he was telling me about these 70.3 races that he was doing to 
basically fund his ITU racing. And mm -hmm. um, he was telling me basically the money that he was making from long course racing. I was like, you know what? I think I can, because uh, I beat Max that day. And I was like, you know <laughs> nice. what? I, th I think, um, I think I can, I can make some, some money too. And obviously like I'm a bit of a weaker swimmer and a stronger bike rider. So I thought I'd give it a crack. And that's why I raced um, that 70.3 Challenge Mallorca in 2019. But as a pro straight away, and I think, you know, having that background from the elite racing on the ITU circuit and French Grand Prix, you just, you just race from the gun and it's, um, you just race the other guys rather than, than racing your own race. One sense. question I was going to ask you later on was was about the French, um, why they don't necessarily succeed as much at Ironman, con considering how how deep uh, the the sort of short course program is. This year's obviously a bit different. There was three Frenchies in the top ten. There was <laughs> there was obviously Sam Lalo, yourself, and uh, was it Clement Mignon? Um, what historically, why do you think the French haven't necessarily maybe performed quite as well at iron distance compared to short course? I don't really know. I think there's definitely a changing of the guard. Um, I mean, all three of us are like I'm the oldest of the three and I'm 26 now. So, um, mm. yeah, and I think uh, we all three of us actually went through that sort of um, system of national champs and Grand Prix um Sam and um and Clemel were actually much better than me at the at those races just because they're stronger swimmers and um I was basically always chasing at the back of the big groups and everything so um I think the fact that we were um we were good but not quite as good as say Leo Berger he's from he's same mm. birth year as me and now he's like what third in the ITU rankings um and it's just because there were so many other good guys when you're, you know, sixth or seventh or eighth, you're still really good, but you just, you don't have the space on the national team or the selection yeah. and then the support and everything. So you have to fend for yourself and maybe choose something else. And um, I guess we chose long distance and uh, not to say that the guys ahead of us weren't, I, I just think they just didn't go through the same section, uh, through the same system yeah. of um, racing that hard and, yeah, I think I think that's it. And um obviously because there is so much support for the short course, um, people just go for that rather mm -hmm. than actually go well, to, to the long course. Obviously you are you've made a decision to go more towards long and you've been very successful, but what do you actually enjoy racing the most? Um, I really enjoyed the short course, but I've never done it at the level that I've now done long course. So um yeah, I, I don't know because obviously when I, well, I actually stepped up the training and the approach uh, in 2020 when the goal was to go up to, to Ironman. And uh, so I've never done the short course with the same focus and dedication and training and everything. Um, like what I've put into long course, I've not put that into the short course. So obviously I didn't get the same opportunities. But at the same time, I I was just too bad a swimmer. Um mm -hmm. And on long course, like I'm managing, but you, the way the racing is going, like I absolutely need to get my swim back up to, to a level that's decent because uh, I'm just fighting for, you know, top, but like fifth place, basically fifth yeah, to 10th. Yeah. And I want to be fighting for top five. Um, I mean, it's a different type of racing, but the way we're racing an Ironman now, it's like, it's like doing 
a short course race that just lasts for eight times <laughs> as long. Yeah. Another question around that is: is you, you seem to do extremely well. Well, you've done really well at all, all sort of formats of racing, but um, you've done Ombrum and Alpe d'Huez and you seem to gravitate a little bit towards those tougher ones. Is that, again, is that because you're really good at those ones or you actually enjoy, you know, the the, the extremely challenging nature of those um, courses? Yeah, a bit of both. Um, I think, you know, when you enjoy something, you you tend to do better at them um, because you'll push yourself in training or something like that. But um yeah, I mean, I've got good watts per kilo, basically, and um, so that helps when you're going up a mountain. And um, I just also just, I, I love cycling, you know. I, I, if I could be a professional cyclist, I'd be a professional cyclist. Um, <laughs> and so having a course that, you know, that challenges all of those aspects of a of a bike rider really appealed to me. I'm not one to want to sit in, you know, four or five wheels deep in a, in a pace line, Um so if there's corners and hills and you have to break and then when when you actually have to ride the course and try and eke out as much speed from the course as possible, that's that's what I really enjoy. And I think that's why I've done well at those races where you need to do more than just basically push big power um, in an aero position for four hours. Yeah. Um- you obviously had two really good results this year at St. George and, and at Kona. We'll, we'll sort of talk through the Kona performance in a moment, but how did those two events compare in terms of the hype and the build-up and just the, the, the general experience? Um, it's difficult to say. Um, uh, this year I've been so focused on basically getting my master's degree that I've kind of just had put my head down and just – tunnel vision you know and uh, just get through one session at a time get through one report at a time and I've not really I don't know embraced the whole for example Kona experience I was so tired from the rest of the year that I was just basically stayed in the in the condo for two weeks and then would run on the motorway and then on race day I went out so (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't really know like I feel like I enjoyed the Utah experience a bit more um because I, I flew out with Flory and we got to there's a bit more to to explore I think from where we were staying and uh going to the shopping center to Target yeah. and buy some cookies or whatever it is <laughs> um that was fun um and also we stayed a bit after the race went to a few national parks and it was just a bit surreal being out there when I should have been uh, writing up my final report basically um, yeah. whereas in Kona I was I was just a bit done with the season and wanted uh wanted the year to be over and um, so I managed to get myself through the race um, as fast as I could and um, and then flew back and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to next year to Kona in a different mindset and uh, hopefully a better result too so, so going into Kona because you do have a good race what what were your expectations and kind of talk us through the day yeah, kind of, I guess getting sixth place in um, in St. George kind of meant that I could hope for at least as, as good a result in Kona, but obviously it's a different course and slightly different conditions. So you never really know. Um, from my end, I, you know, I, I wanted to have one world champs with no regrets. And I guess um, in St. George, I got that. So whatever happened in Kona was going to be a, a big bonus, um, or if it went well. So 
Yeah, I mean, we kind of went in with uh, a conservative approach. It's hopefully it's the first cone of of many, um, and getting you know a solid top ten is probably better than uh, going for a win or a podium and totally blowing up and just being like, oh, what if this had happened? Whereas here, I can come back and um, look at what I did and know that I can I can do better in in all three, and um, it's. A great place to to be going into next year, but the build up. I mean, I was quite stressed because of like the amount of travel that was involved, getting all the equipment ready. I was like moving from uh, um, a borrowed bike to a brand new twelve speed, same frame and everything, but you know, twelve speed components don't work with the eleven speed components, and we're trying yeah. to get all of that ready. And basically, the two weeks before flying out, you're also doing like the biggest training you you'll do all year and uh, and then you have to fly for 30 hours so it's it was a bit daunting and i arrived in kona did a few more big days of training and then basically i crashed i was on the sofa like shivering and cold and oh wow <laughs> yeah and for like two or three days two or three days um and we we're like 10 days out from the race and i was like oh well at least this is forced rest and um but yeah i saw a lot of the inside of our condo and um <laughs> the hot tub and uh <laughs> and that was it yeah you said you were going in with a bit of a conservative race plan, but it, I mean, you you looks like you. We didn't see much of you on the race day because the focus is on those those front guys, and you're kind of coming through from behind. But it looked like you guys were pretty much drilling it on the bike. You had Keenlay Worth and I think Joe Skipper for a while. So were you were you laying down the the hammer, or or you were actually going a bit conservative on the bike? Yeah, um, I mean, from where I, I've done my swims this year, like we're miles back. I was actually, I thought I was last in the water. I, oh, I really? like looked behind. I was on Lionel Sanders' feet, and you know, there's not further, much further back than you can go. <laughs> and, and, no offense to him, but I, I actually both St. George and Kona, I, I swam sandwich between Lionel and Sebi. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's. If there's anywhere to be, you know, if you're not at the front, you you want to be in a in a pack of a uh, solid cyclist and with Cam and Joe and those two, like I knew that at least there'd be people to work with and hopefully we could catch the stragglers in in Saint George. They caught not the front of the race, but um, I mean, I rode for a bit with Christian back in Saint George and he ended up race winning the race. So. From where I was out of the water, I thought there's still a possibility that we could get to the front of the race. So um, we just went really hard from the gun. Um, Cam had a really good transition, and as he does, he like smashes it the first few minutes of the race uh, on the bike. And I just I just couldn't follow. I'd lost a bit of time putting some socks on in transition, and um, and yeah, I was like, well, that's it. He's gone, and I'm never going to see him again. And then actually Joe started putting in a, a good tempo as we hit the Queen K. And um, I was really struggling at that point. I was like, oh, this is a bad day. And then after about 25 minutes of riding really hard, I actually started to come around a bit. And there were two guys up the road that we could see and we were catching them. And all of a sudden we caught them and I was like, flip, that's Cam Worth. And I've just caught up with Cam Worth. Um, I was like you know what if I'm riding faster than Cam then I'm on for a good day and um, then I had that penalty I had to stop for a minute and um, and still managed to catch back up to them so I was obviously on to like what was your penalty for 
I don't know. I think one minute is unintentional littering, but it's not like yeah. they communicate anything to you. So right. I assume it's something that I dropped somewhere. I don't know. It's, yeah. you know, it's done. It's what it is. But yeah. I caught up with them again before. Oh, yeah. I got basically to the bottom of Harvey and I could see 50 or well, maybe not 50, like 40 guys ahead of me, like all strung out. And I was like, but they're going half the speed that I'm going. And literally <sighs> Harvey was all just passing people. And I guess it was just like a bit of a positive dynamic from there. And then I caught it back up with the group with um, Cam was leading and Patrick Langer was at the back of that group and we we're coming towards the, the top of Harvey. And I was like, I don't want Patrick to be in our group. Yeah. <laughs> on the run. So I got to the front again and started drilling it a bit and basically chose my, my moments to try and make the race a bit harder. And, that's how we shared a bit of um of the cyclists who were trying to keep up with us and uh, i guess that's what secured my top 10 because i managed to get rid of the guys who actually ran faster than me so when when you say you're drilling it um you know along the queen k you're putting in some big efforts what sort of percentage of ftp are you guys putting out when when you are pushing hard well it feels like a thousand percent <laughs> uh, but, um I, I don't know. I think for the first like 30 minutes, I had about 325 normalized powers. So that's that's a good chunk, but that's probably like 80% or something like that. Um, yeah. But it's not like I set myself any set myself any sort of limit or anything. I just go wherever the race goes. And um, then throughout the race, I'll try and modulate my effort to try and get the numbers down basically and uh, just be a bit smart with where I put down the power and where when I come off and um try and come into transition into T2 as fresh as I can I guess yeah so the run must have been interesting well at least the second half of the run because it was only five minutes covering sort of fifth through tenth um roughly and so a bit like when you said you're going up to Harvey you can see all the guys in front of you I imagine it was pretty similar on the road you know you're looking 1k up the road and you know there's going to be a handful of guys either in front of you or behind you so was that um was that pretty brutal the last sort of five to ten k's of the run trying to you know secure whatever spot you could um I think the last like 7k of the run were my best um of the whole race um I I I just managed to get like a, a massive bottle, like a five liter bottle of water that people had cut the top off and chucked loads of ice oh, in. Nice. Yeah. And they just handed it to me at one of the aid stations. I took it, tipped it over myself, and it felt like my body temperature like halved. It went like from 45 yeah. to 30, to 25. And I was like feeling amazing. And um, I started running like 20 seconds a K faster from that point. And, um, oh, wow. Yeah, and so that really saved my my race because I think by that point I was probably in ninth, um, and yeah, I ended up like what ten seconds behind Sebi in six. So um, I had a bit of a storm in the last five k or seven k, and um, I think that really meant that I I didn't have any regrets for my race. Whereas had I plodded back home in in ninth place, barely or ba- barely hanging on to the top ten, I would have been a bit disappointed coming from you know fifth place at the start of the run to the ninth but as it is yeah i mean joe and, and sebi ran really well i was super close to sebi but uh and there was no chance of catching the guys ahead of us um mm. they all ran really quick so um yeah it's what it is 
you, you've obviously it's been a kind of uh, obviously a demanding life you know finishing your degree and getting your masters but also you know racing to an extremely successful level in this last period of time as you look to this next moment because obviously that one component of your life has disappeared is that, sometimes it may not be a good thing so like how do you make sure you actually transition away from the study life so you can become a better athlete oh like right now it feels great um yeah. <laughs> like yeah this year was like so tough um yeah, like basically, I, there were points in the, in the year where I was like breaking down every couple of days just because just had no mental energy. Like a lot of the training I do is basically fueled by my mental uh, drive, and mm. um, I just had no none spare from um, trying to do both at the same time, and also getting ready for world champs so early in the season is is really tough, and so. Um, Taking that component and the stress out, um, you know, stress associated with uh, with studying and having to basically every every hour of the day you're thinking, oh, I should be doing some uni work right now. Whereas mm. right now I can wake up and I'm just like, well, I just have to get to swimming and then I can come back and do some podcasts or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And whereas, you know, if right now I'd be thinking, oh, shit, I like I need to write. 10 pages tonight because yeah. i've got 200 pages to write by the end of uh, the month or whatever it is yeah. so mm. now it's like great to finally have that sort of break uh, because mentally it's been super demanding so yeah i'm looking forward to next year and hopefully you know get, get a bit more consistency in training and hopefully it results in in better you know race finishes yeah um, so you're currently ranked 10th on the PTO rankings, um, that's, which is awesome. And you, uh, I don't think that'll change much between the, now and the end of the year. There's a couple of Ironmans to go, but you wouldn't think there'd be huge changes. Um, that's, being 10th still doesn't get you a spot on the Collins Cup because there's so many Europeans in front of you. What are, what are your impressions of the Collins Cup and whether they should sort of stick with it or try something different? And um, yeah, what's the sort of general feeling amongst the, the pros about it? Um, I can't speak for all the pros, you know, um, because I guess the guys who do get selected are really happy, but then mm. I know there's a lot of people who feel left out, especially in Europe. It's, it's saturated with talent, like racing in Europe. Sam Long said it himself when he came this summer. It's like, there's no easy race. And, um, mm. just like so many people who are so good. And, um, yeah, the Collins Cup, I mean, I really appreciate the PTO putting in a lot of effort and obviously a lot of money too um, to try and elevate the sport uh, for the professionals. And I don't, you know, I don't have all the numbers. I don't know how it is, but um, as an athlete, I'm not sure the Collins Cup is the way to do it. Um, you know, I'm passionate about triathlon and I struggle watching the Collins Cup because in terms mm. of excitement or whatever it is, it's maybe not the the most exciting there is out there. And on top of that, a lot of athletes feel hard done by because, you know, I'm 10th in the world, as you said, but I'm probably like eighth, eighth mm. European. So, and there's a lot of cash involved. So um, it's cash that wasn't there before. So, you know, it's not like there's any loss, but it feels like, uh, yeah, when people ranked way further down, get automatic selections, you always feel a bit like... Mm. Mm. Ah, yeah. if only and um it's you know it's a sport that's based on your results and fighting for for every spot and um and you know making a good living out of getting good results and uh 
in this instance, it's not all about your results. Um, it's about your nationality. And that was that's a great thing about long distance in Ironman. It's like no matter what nationality you are, you get an opportunity to race world champs. You know, the fo- the start list could yeah. be, you know, 45 Germans and five French people. Yeah. And just because there's no quotas involved, it's just performance. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the PTO opens like uh, Dallas and Edmonton with uh, where you get select, well, you get uh, entrance to the race depending on your ranking, I think. Maybe if we had three of those rather than mm. two and then one race, which is more of an exhibition race, um, that might be better. Yeah. I don't know. So what's your what's your big plan for, for next year? You know, is it very much focused on Kona or have you got anything sort of set in stone at this stage? Yeah, the big focus is Kona. I think um, it's still such a big thing for sponsors and it's still the biggest race in triathlon. It's the race that people know of outside of triathlon and having done it this year, feeling like I can do better. Well, obviously, I'm going to focus on trying and doing it again next year and doing better. But so obviously, I need to qualify. So hopefully, I get that done real quick in the season. And um, and then hopefully, I can focus on some, I guess, bonus races like the PTO races, like perhaps Roth. Um, mm. Yeah, just, you know, qualify really early and then then you can do the races that you want to do. Um, and obviously I just want to race the best in the world and hopefully beat them. So just, just yeah. with that, um, you know, like with the advent of the PTO, we see a lot more races where you are racing a better field nowadays. Like back in the day, you kind of had Kona and then maybe the championship races, but even the championship races weren't as good a quality. Um, and maybe you, you may be not best person answers because you're kind of a little bit newer to the sport, but are you finding that the demands on the body with such high-level racing happening so much? And maybe it's not so bad on long course, but is it a different challenge for an athlete now? Well, I guess I've never really known that yeah. period beforehand, but it's true when when we decided, okay, I'm going to go long course, um, like we're looking at the results and it was like, you run a 245 marathon and you'll win pretty much any Ironman you do. And now like that just, that doesn't cut it. Um, so you just look at the times that are required to, to be competitive and it's a whole new world. So it's definitely tougher. And I mean, the, the training's the toughest bit when you're doing Ironman and, um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It just means that you, you have to try even harder and, um, everyone's really young like you look at the top 10 in Kona we're all like 25 or less or something like that so it's not like um it's gonna get any easier um, <laughs> so yeah I mean it's really exciting because it means that you know there's a whole new era ahead of us and um it's you know a drive to keep trying getting better but obviously it's it's really tough and that's why we also try not to do too many Ironmans in a season I've done three a year so far and I think that's a good a good number, maybe four. Uh, we'll see when I'm a bit older and have a bit more training in the legs. Nice, awesome. What's what's for dinner tonight? People always like random questions. What what, <laughs> what what's for dinner? Uh, stir fry. Stir fry. Yeah, oh, nice. yeah. There's a good deal um, at the supermarket the other day. You get your noodles, you get your veg, and you get your sauce and uh, good nice. discount. 
Easy as, easy as, and it's cool. really quick. And I'm not making it. Florrie's making it. So, Even um, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. People want to follow you. you. You mentioned Instagram. What, what are the what are the ways people can follow you? Yeah, Instagram. I don't do uh, the TikTok or the Twitter, especially now that you have to pay like eight dollars to yeah. get Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, um, Instagram. Um, I've also got a Facebook page, but um, that's just stuff that I post on Instagram. Um, yeah. Instagram's easy. Um, it's what I think my handle's L dot Chevalier. Yeah. Um, nice. So yeah. Awesome. Oh, we're looking forward to some awesome results. Yeah. Uh, as, as you have this year. Um, so good luck with uh, next season. And uh, if you're doing up and wrote, I'll be on the start line next year. So uh, I'll see if I can keep up in the swim. I'll race you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thanks for your time. Yeah, oh, thanks for having me, guys. A couple of really interesting points through that one. First of all, I'd never really thought about that Frenchies haven't been good in Ironman. You know, I've known that for, for quite a while. Because, so as you say, like, they're pretty good at short course. Very And very deep at short course. Yeah. Um, so it would be a good quiz, quiz question. Because has it ever been a winner? Not, a, not a, in Kona. And there's been very f- – uh, I'm pretty sure there's been very few in the top 10. Um, so they've had some good guys, but they they've been – Long course athletes have always been long course athletes. Well, when we look at Olympics, you're going to go the countries that are dominate: uh, UK, Germany, um, well, Germany not so much anymore at short course. It's it's very much UK, France, and States. Okay, so the UK has transferred because we've had good UK athletes. Although we, have, we was last time we had a UK winner at Kona, of oh, female we had Chrissy. Uh, have we ever had a UK winner at Kona? No, no, I don't think so. It's basically okay. Australia, America, Germany, Germany. New Zealand a little bit, a few other randoms here and there, but a Swiss action. Um, But on the the boys' side, uh, no. I mean, you just had so many guys just wanting it back-to-back. Belgium's won it once. But no, I don't don't even know. It's a good question. I'm going to put this in for next week. I've just thought of a good question. Okay, here we go. We've got a good question. Tell us what it is. Well, have we ever had a male on the podium from Great Britain in Kona? On the podium? Now, podium top three or top five? (laughs) Yes. Don't get me started. Whoa. A podium is top three. Okay. If you, if you get on the podium and you're fifth or something like that, fair play, you can claim it because if they do create podiums, the podium is a top three. Okay. Absolutely stupid. On the male racing. The podium is not top five. Get rid of fourth and fifth. That's, that's actually, but that's actually quite interesting because you'd say the French, the UK, and who else is the dominant country in Australia traditionally, although they're not that strong right now. Yeah. Um, America, it's a bit different boys and girls here, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. yeah. But and you get that outlier, but traditionally, on the boys' side, Great Britain, oh, no, no I know my answer now. The Swiss? I mean, yeah. sorry, the Spanish are pretty good. And we haven't seen them not, not, I mean. not at long course. Yeah, not. So, but this is really interesting, isn't it? Because what we're really discovering here is that short course countries don't actually present to the long course legends. Not always, yeah. Lots yeah. of exceptions to yeah, that. Yeah, because you're going to say the best countries are kind of the Spaniards, the French, the Poms, and Australia. Now, Australia have done both, but they're not really in the short course game right now. Just in men's. Prep for next week. Yeah, okay. yeah, right. Yeah. So there you go. That's and then my, third, my second thing was, I never actually thought about the Collins Cup about how the European athletes kind of get screwed. Mm. I, I hadn't really thought about we've that. We've always focused on Europe's going to win it every year. It's yeah. pretty boring. But if you're not in the top four, how I many is it? Six. Six. If you're not well, top, no, in the top four, really, and then they pick two randoms, which could be anybody. Traditionally, it'll be the next couple. But yeah, so basically, like him, he's top 10 in the world. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get to the Collins Cup. And the sixth ranked uh, American athlete. Okay, here's a question. Athlete. 
how long do you think it's going to be before we see a change in the Collins Cup? Because it's got to be changed. I don't reckon it's going to happen next year, but that's just... I don't, you don't reckon the race is going to happen? No. The race? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think, it, I don't think it should, but... Um, it's not working. No. But we've had this discussion many times. No, but I'm just wondering, how long do we have to wait for them to make change? Can it? Can it? Go to, go to Rote, do Rote, change Rote to Saturday race, then put a pro race on Sunday and do a sort of a multi-loop around Solberg Hill. But epic. That would be epic. Okay, uh, okay, let's go into Winger of the Week. Okay, I haven't done any prep on this week. I thought we'll just go random again, Bevan. Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, 74. Oh, I made the top 100, 97th. Oh, you made it, mate. Yeah, made it. <sighs> 97th. 74. Oh, the grinder, Chrissy McKinley. I oh, saw her on her bike she won yesterday. She recently too, didn't she? I was uh, right. She won a pair of profile design wheels. That's right. Uh, I was riding up and down Mount Pleasant. doing. She back in Christchurch? I think she was just probably just here for the weekend. I was coming down. I was doing a bit of Everesting practicing and uh, saw the grinder grinding away up the hill. She did 12 hours and 11 minutes of training last week, two hours, 42 minutes. She's not my friend. Uh, five hours and one minutes on the bike and four hours and 27 minutes of running almost ran more time than she did on the bike so the grinder she's a scottish lass uh but she's based out of sort of out of christchurch but she's currently residing on the west coast but she still has christchurch on her profile and she's had a very consistent year sort of hovering around uh around that sort of 180 minutes per week no, no that's not not right 180 kilometers per week been very consistent since uh august um, I have a question for her. She because swam today, this morning. Didn't see her there. We must have departed before she got there. Swam 2.25 k's this morning. And yesterday she went for a, a walk with jogging bursts on the beach, probably with her dogs. Well, well, I've got a question for her. Because I've got a friend who moved to the coast recently and they said, the thing about the coast is people like, like, like a lot of marijuana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like the dope on the coast. Yeah. So has she taken up that recreational marijuana habit? Find out <laughs> the grinder. Let us know yeah. what's happening with your your dope smoking habit. If you want to get amongst uh, the wanger of the week, you need to join our Strava club on. Uh, it's just called the I Am Talk Club on Strava. And if you get in the top one hundred, you get the random chance of getting your name called out. Okay, who's in through the first questions and answers? I'm going anonymous for this because I'm not sure. This person just sent me an email, and I just thought, okay, so is that I'll, I'll answer it on the show. Very keen to hear your thoughts. Was a messy ride leaving confused as how This person did a race, a 70.3 race. It was a bit of a draft fest. Um, First time sort of having to deal with a big draft fest in a a race. Uh, Said it was messy. uh, Made a tactical decision on the second lap. It didn't pay off and saw me lose time. It was a weird feeling going so fast at times, then so slow, wondering where to put myself. Um, I think... Getting a lottery, uh, getting a penalty was a bit of a lottery, just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Made Did they get a penalty? Rookie years for not quite sure. I don't think so. Okay. Um, Here's a question before you answer. Do you sometimes you just go bugger it? I've got to ride in the pack. Well, that's sort of answered in my my okay. little high five. Uh, so look, the main thing if you're in an event where drafting is taking place. Um, you can still completely screw your race over by riding too hard. Often it ends up being really spiky and surgy. Yeah. But if you get amongst it and you ignore your numbers and your heart rate goes through the roof, the run's still going to get ugly. So avoid riding uh, too hard for sustained periods. Number two, try your best to do the right thing. <laughs> I know it's bloody hard to necessarily see this through. 
but try your best to do the right thing and, and not draft, you know, try to hold the distance. But we've had, sort of had that discussion before. One thing that you need to do is educate others. And I'm going to be doing really hammering this home and <laughs> much guy. more as a race director. It doesn't, when I, when I go to race, so I went to say kind of 70.3. I don't even think drafting's hardly mentioned. It's, it's written in the manual, but it's, there's no real mention of, yeah. of it. It's just sort of uh, kind of might happen. And if you get busted, you get a drafting penalty. You need to be, when race directors, organizers need to really be spelling it out and us as athletes and coaches that drafting is cheating. We know that you get in situations where it's extremely difficult not to be as part of a pack, but I don't hear many people saying, if you draft, you're a cheat. It is cheating, and we just need to hammer that home to every single triathlete, and that will be part of the process. Um, kind of stigma in the sport. Yeah, just get some stigma. If you're, draft, if you're drafting, you're cheating. But do you say that when you're racing with someone? Sorry? Do you? Uh, I will... Uh, if, yeah, I will. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to sugarcoat that, but no, I will. If 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 someone is blatantly drafting, I'm sure as hell going to let them know. Yeah. Um, and there will be some go to the pee on the bike strategy too. Peeing on the bike. Yeah. Um, complain to the organisers if it happens at a race. If you don't, if you just sit back and you complain on your Facebook page and you moan and groan to your friends and stuff, send some feedback to the organisers saying Look, things have got to change because this is. It's and, and, really and, and ruining sport. Sometimes it's the organisers' fault. Absolutely. You know, because they, they put the conditions in place where you kind of have to draft. Yeah. A flat race. Without, without wave starts and stuff like that. Number five, go and do smaller races. If you want to have a draft fee race, go and do smaller races. Okay, we've got a question here from Gareth Bridge. He's got, I'm heading back to New Zealand next week and we'll be doing the uh, Ironman Taupo 70, oh, full Ironman actually, uh, on December the 10th, based on Facebook group questions, it looks like there are going to be a lot of people coming from overseas for the first time in many years. It would be awesome if you could do a segment in the podcast about the course and the event for those new to it, e mass start, road surface quality, and a bit of insider's guide of what to expect. So it's going to be pretty quick because neither Bevan and I have been to Topol for no, quite a few time, years. Yeah. Last time I raced was 2014. The uh, same time I did it. Yeah, uh, no, I don't think you raced in 2014. Was it? No, I think yours was even before that. No, I think my last one was 15. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Because I blew up. So I, I did Kona in 2014. What do you do? Uh, what do you do, Kona? No, I think you're. you're, you're oh no, no, I'm going. No, I'm going. Oh four. Yeah. yeah. No, no, shit. Yeah, no, no. I'm yeah, wrong no. Yeah, yeah, uh, no. Yeah, yeah, no. If I turn up that race, it would be embarrassing. <laughs> so well, this is going to be reasonably quick because neither of us have been there before. But this will be helpful if you're thinking about coming out as well. And I was looking at this yesterday because I wanted to answer a few of these questions. Plus, for athletes that I'm coaching, the swim at Ironman New Zealand for the full, as far as I can see, is still a mass start for the seventy point three. It looks like it's a rolling start. Please feel free, any Kiwis, to email me in if I give any uh, information here that's incorrect. But I think it is one of the only races left on wow. the calendar that is a... And it's a, a cool start. experience. Like I know... Now, was the field big, do you know, for this one? Um, I think so. Because it's rolled over from uh, March. Okay. So I'm pretty so sure it's sold out. As much as the sports had to evolve and, and the way we start swimming has to have happened... The mass swim start was pretty mass cool. Mass swim start's awesome. Yeah. Um, big change for Ironman New Zealand this year is the change of transition area. It, it's basically a different, completely different area. So the swim's going to be different. Uh, you're kind of going to, it's not just one big drag out to a buoy and then come all the way back. It's kind of a, you kind of start in the middle of the course and go out and, and around. So the okay. swim will be a bit different. Where's, uh, where's the transition area now? 
uh, something like Rifle Range Road, somewhere around there, oh, like okay. big sort yeah, of yeah, field. Yep. Uh, so the swim at Ironman New Zealand, beautiful lake, clear water. You can drink it. It's not yep. a problem. Um, the only thing with it being in December, there's a chance it could be reasonably fresh. So yep. if you are coming from overseas, I'd be bringing like your skull cap and things like that. It's just a really good place. It's a really good swim because you can see clearly the whole time. You can watch your feet in front of you. Mm. Like it's great. Uh, the bike ride at Ironman New Zealand, uh, again, they've, they've changed the course significantly since Bevan and I have done it. Um, but there's really nothing to be concerned about. Like the there's a kind minimal of hills. Um, the, the, they use a different road, I'm pretty sure now. It's a reasonably big chip. Um, so, you know, you don't want to have your tyres bloody pumped up to the, the gunnels. Um, big chip, no hills to worry about. Uh, there's no particularly technical parts of the course, you know, in terms of really tricky no, sort of east or anything or, yeah. like that. There's a few little out and back side streets you've got to go in. But uh, again, in terms of preparation, there's, it's the main preparation you need to be doing for this race is long periods on your aero bars and figuring out your strategy around that because it's basically a straight road and you could be on your aero bars for the majority of the bike ride. So you just need to figure out the strategy on how you're going to break that up. But main things for the bike, it's a big chip. Um, it is a smaller field than what you're going to find elsewhere in the world. Um, so drafting is not such an issue. The big difference now is they have a 70.3 on the same day. So the, I, I don't really know how much crossover there is there. But that's that's a little bit of an issue. But the bike, nothing in particular other than thinking about the road surface that you need to be worried about. Um, when it comes to the run at Ironman New Zealand, um, main thing there is it is quite lumpy. There's quite a few little hills and they beat your legs up. So it's certainly not a pancake flat course. I think when you look at the course profile and the course map. How many laps is it now? Is it three? Oh, I looked at that yesterday. I think it might only be two. Because it did go three for sure. a bit there, didn't it? It went, uh, went from two to three to yeah. I think four. four uh, so I'm disaster. not quite sure on, on how many laps it is. But when I looked at the course profile, it ma- I think it makes it look flatter than what it actually is when you look at the map. So it has got quite a few lumps, and that does beat your, your legs up a bit. But it also does break, break the run up as well. So my advice around the run would be you're going to have quite a few inconsistent kilometres. So if you're really trying to run to a pace, you might want to have your watch set to auto lap every two or three k's rather than necessarily every k because it will be you know going up and down a reasonable amount um, the other factors for racing in New Zealand the weather could be anything especially yeah. in December uh, it could be a nice really nice warm day one, one thing is, is the sun exposure is a lot harsher oh yeah yeah it's yeah. really harsh. I'd be putting sunscreen on yeah. the night before to try it's funny, a friend it. of mine went to the show last week and she forgot to put a sunblock on. Mm. Oh my God, her face, it was literally just red. Oh yeah. You know, and, and New Zealand, like European, even America. You don't get it. You, don't, you, you really <laughs> don't get it. And so it could be an issue, especially if you get a clear hot day, oh. which could happen, you know, we are in summer in December. So, you know, make sure you have a strategy around your sunblock. So I'd be saying, put it on uh, the evening before, putting it on race day. And if you've got fair skin, consider wearing a really lightweight long sleeve top to protect you from from the sun. Uh, and then the only other thing, yeah, the water temperature, you know, in December it could be fine, could be a bit, could be a bit fresh. So that's a really small bit on on Ironman New Zealand for this year. But it's coming up. Uh, there's going to be two Ironmans this year, which will be really interesting because we're going to have one in December. Our Ironman New Zealand in March got cancelled or postponed to December because of COVID. But then it's going to be interesting to see how many people then roll over and do March doing the same course at the start of the season at the end of the season it'll be interesting to see their numbers yeah I'm really curious I know a lot, I've heard a few people doing 70.3 mm. I don't know many do I haven't heard oh, a lot of locals are doing Ironman in December and okay. they won't be doing it in March 
Yeah, so it's going to hurt one of the races, isn't it? Mm. You know. Um, okay, John's quiz question. The quiz question was how many Australians got won the world championship between until it went draft legal. So eighty nine until ninety. Now, who are the stars? So, um, Welchie would have been a star at that time. So there's Welchie. There's one. You got one. Good. Mac would have been too young. He would have been. He won the world championships. He was, he was coming in just at the end, but he probably was a junior. So yeah, he won ninety seven. Yeah, so so who were the rock stars? An Australian, a female sorry. Uh, well, we've got, we've got one other on the male side. Miles Stewart won it in ninety one. So Greg Welsh won it in nineteen ninety. Miles Stewart won in ninety one. Then the other winners, you had Mark Allen in there, won the first one, and then you had Spencer Smith and um, Simon Lesson dominating. So from, two two guys for a few. So two guys. On the girls' female side, you had Erin Baker won it. No, Jackie Gulliger, don't think she ever won the women's. Okay. Erin Baker won it once. She's not a key, she's a Kiwi, not an Aussie. I'm not going to count her. Michaeli Jones won it in Manchester, which was 93. Okay. And she won it somewhere else as well. I think she might have won it the same year Greg Welsh won it. So that's four. Uh, and then Emma Carney won it in 94. So that's five. I'm going five. Okay, so let's have a look. So from 19, so Welch and Stuart definitely got it. Yeah, it's two men. And then females, you had Kaylee McKaylee, Carney. Yep, you got it. Yay. Jab Gallagher won it in... Uh, she did win it, did she? Yeah, in she 1996. 1996. And then you basically... The, the, the 90s were a domination. Well, we should have another question from, from here about 92 onwards. So basically Australia won, basically of the... Ninety of the from of the of the ones in the ninety they won so they seven won of them ninety two to two thousand they won all of them except one Karen Karen Smiles took out ninety five on the men's side it wasn't so much Chris McCormick won ninety seven Miles Stewart Welch won the early nineties and that was pretty much it yeah there you go John's quiz question for this week interesting stuff okay let's go back to the show notes here and we've got we're for a swim this morning. 500 warm-up, uh, 150 freestyle, 100 IM, um, twice through, 650s drill, uh, 650s doing 25 catch-up drill. When we do catch-up drill, really focusing on trying to get uh, the catch right, so getting that hand to go down, elbow out a little bit and really work on your catch. So 25 catch-up, 25 freestyle. Main set was three times 100 metres very hard, getting around about 15 seconds rest. And then 200 metres easy, doing hypoxic breathing, so breathing three stroke for 50 metres, then breathing five stroke for 50 metres, and just switching between the two. And we did that main set three times through, so it was uh, 1,500 metres in total, uh, 100 metres easy IM, and then we did four 25s underwater. There was a bit of discussion about best underwater technique. Mine is to do like a breaststroke pull-out. Uh, so breast, breaststroke pull-out is when you see breaststrokers dive in in a race, they'll do a full stroke. So they'll do the breaststroke stroke at the front and then you pull all the way down to your hips yep. and then you glide and I throw a bit of a kick in there and then just you glide and then once I feel I'm losing my sort of momentum, then you'll gently put your hands forward and then pull again. So you're doing long breaststroke pull-outs. Others... Uh, Tom was liking a bit of butterfly kick action. He found that the most efficient. Yeah, he throws in the arms. That. Uh, it was that's tricky. Yeah. And then Nicole was some sort of combo of uh, combo of the, the two. So four twenty fives underwater, and then we did a thousand meters to finish continuous ascending, starting hard and getting progressively slower. Okay. Good swim. Three point four, three point four, three point five k's. Good was a good swim. Okay, let's say thank you to our patrons. Oh, hold on. Uh, and a, oh, sorry. A slightly longer right. swim set. And other news. And other news. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kiwi guy William 
Trooch, what's the name? Troopich. Broke the uh, marathon record. He no, he swam a. This is why we did four twenty fives underwater today. He swam marathon underwater. Oh, I didn't read that bit. Yeah, so he. How do you do that? So you basically have to come up for air and. He, I think I didn't specify. Imagine if you did it underwater. It's like Aquaman. Well, it's basically what he's doing. But I initially, well, he must have got air. Yeah, initially I was thinking you can't swim a marathon underwater. No. It took him all. It took him a whole day. It, uh, but he swam a marathon underwater. Two thousand twenty. He swam fifty. Ended up doing fifty k's. Twenty two thousand and twenty three lengths, which was by. 51.57. And it didn't say how often he came up for breaths, how, how many breaks he was having. But that's just stupid. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, but John, people think you are stupid before oh, you I do. know. I, it's, it's, I think the thing that impresses me, though, is A, the challenge, yeah, it's just crazy. You're doing, I you've think seen a couple weeks. Yeah, I think, and I've, I said that to somebody, I said, that's just stupid, but everything that's perfectly normal. <laughs> um, it's the approach that he takes in terms of the whole meditation and the training that goes okay. into it which I find intriguing and so like deep divers isn't it well that's what he is he's a deep diver yeah, he's, yeah he's got all the world records oh okay uh, so he's he, this is his job um, so I'm curious how long he'd go in each lap like each breath I wonder how many you know because if, if he's doing how many laps was it thousands two thousand okay so you're doing two thousand laps you know like for me <laughs> I'd die <laughs> Well, one length is a challenge. Like when we did it this morning, four twenty-five. And that's on a twenty-five meter pool. Yeah, I can do a length, and I can do four back to back with a with a rest. You know, at each end. Um, but I used to get panicky. You know, that last ten meters, I was panicking to get to the and, end. And that's his training that he does is that fortitude just to stay calm and relaxed. And yeah, yeah so I'd love to know because we could probably hold his breath for you know, ten minutes, yeah, something like that. So. Be curious to see what his strategy was, how many lengths he'd hmm. do, because he's doing consistency. So he was probably trying to find that fine line of time underwater versus time up. Hmm. Curious to see. But hmm. yeah, oh, that's phenomenal. Okay, this time, patrons. Uh, Daniel, you have placed a chill on my heart, Stuart. That's a great nickname. Owen, the Sledge Master, Hughes. And Mike, the Farmer of Fox, Hewison. I want to say a big thank you to our patron, sorry, our sponsor, uh, formswim.com slash imtalk. Use the promo code imtalk15. Also to our patrons, if you want to become a patron, go to the show, www.imtalk.me. Go through the part where you support the boys. It really means a lot that you give us that support. You're also going to draw to win some cool prizes. Uh, we want some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com, uh, epiccamp, epiccamp.com, my new book, Passion About Exercise, dot com or my podcast i did a really good interview for a psychologist yesterday mm. interesting he wrote this book he's in la and we're talking about image um because in la image is just like such a big thing mm. and he's written a book on how to mentally deal with getting plastic surgery oh god yeah. yeah but he was a really good guy like it was a really interesting interview like yeah. he, you know but just that's the world they live in it's yeah. kind of like in la and i'm sure this is not for everyone in la but it's kind of like it's just expected yeah yeah and let's be honest, We're lots of people get some... Oh, Botox and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I know, a lot of people get yeah, Botox. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> lots of people do. I think, I think not the majority, but, you know, it's a, it's a really common thing mm. nowadays. So, um, not to judge, but it was a really interesting interview. Um, age group of week, call websites, other feedback, I am podcast at gmail.com. John, your goss. So we goss, we had a long weekend, took the far now out for a bit of a walk up around Castle Hill area of uh, Canterbury. If you're coming to Canterbury or if you're Christchurch resident, recommend the... What's called? It was called the Hogs Back. How long does that take? It was. It took us four hours, including stops. Like we stopped for lunch and stuff. I think it was. How long does eight, that take? Eighteen k's. Uh, it was about an hour and a half. So it's a lovely. It's a, big, it's a day trip. 
yeah, it's a, it's a day trip. It is. It was, it was very nice. Castle Hill was a beautiful, beautiful spot. And it was a nice day. It's always good when you leave home and the weather's pretty crap and shitty and cloudy. Yeah, you get and up then there. you arrive and it's, it's beautiful. Good, yeah. Beautiful day. It's a long weekend. Got the chainsaw out then on Sunday. Was, oh, mate, you got fingers pretty, still. Pretty satisfying when you st- sort of was hacking down some, some trees in the driveway. Yeah, it's chainsaw is pretty satisfying. But Do you have a chainsaw? No, I hire a chainsaw. Oh, do you hire it here? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. I'll use my arm. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm not doing this. is like a proper tree trunk, you know. Uh, it's very satisfying. Especially Why'd you when you chop it down? down and then you start chopping it into bits and stuff. Why'd you chop it down? Uh, it just needed a bit of pruning. The ar- arborist was, was in action. Ah, it's on the arborist. Yeah. It's got a good Trees, gr- trees grow back. That, that was, it was triggering me. I, I, I poisoned mine. Mm. The trees in front of my bedroom, they were mm-hmm. growing up and it was like, I don't want to lose my view because mm. we've got a good view in a bedroom and it's like I don't want those trees to grow up and they grow up every year and you know what I'm going to poison the buggers so I've got the drill drilled in the bottom <laughs> yeah. put some poison in it they died like three weeks later nice uh, yeah so that's all that Bevan a little bit of sport watching oh come watch, on did you watch, watch, your, did watch, you watch the women's final yep it's almost the same scenario as last week the headphones almost I'd actually watched it on my TV this week 30 seconds to go. You guys heard the story last week. Everybody in New Zealand thinks the game's over last week. And then the same thing happens this week. You think 30 seconds to go. Oh, no. Well, you, de- you definitely, what, for those who overseas don't understand, was basically our team are really good at what you call open running play. So basically the ball goes wide. It's all open. We score tries pretty much every time that happens. The Poms aren't that good at that, but what they're good at is tight play. So basically they get to 10 minutes of your line. They stay in this big pack and they got out of the line every time, didn't they? They were painful. unbelievable. It does have one trick pony, but it's a bloody good trick. Yeah. So they get to the, get to like what thirty seconds to go. Yeah. And they get a line out five minutes from our line, which they'd score five for four tries from doing already in the game. Mm. So you're just thinking we can't win. Yeah. You're just thinking it's yeah. game over. Mm. And then out of nowhere, one of our girls got the line out. Oh, John. Yeah, it was good. It was good sport. Mm. Oh, it was unbelievable. Because what happened was we lost the cricket. Mm. We'd lost the league, yeah. And I was thinking, this is this is a trend for the weekend. Yeah, we were we were not favourites for the rugby, not favourites for the women's rugby. Um, but luckily, both rugby teams came through. I screwed the TAB. Did you? Do you know how I did that? Yeah. Because they said if you put a ten dollar bet on, you get a twenty dollar bonus bet. Mm-hmm. So I put ten dollars on the Poms to win. Yeah. And they put the bonus bet on New Zealand. <laughs> so I was a guaranteed win. <laughs> and I wouldn't. I think I won like thirty bucks out of it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So I was pretty happy with that one. You I showed them. Yeah, I showed them. I've done that a couple of times. They sometimes do that, and I'm like, oh, you're giving me money, mate. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a fool. I'm going to take your money from you. <laughs> so that was good. Did you know what I did on the weekend, John? What did you do, Bevan? I did a couple of things actually. Uh, went to the Cat Cafe. Oh, one on Colombo <laughs> Street. Did you take your cat there? Do you ever take your cat? They have cats there. Oh, right. I thought you took your own cat. No, so what happens is, so it's not something I normally do because I'm not much of I, I'm not a pet person. Um, but Joe, we were going out for lunch with some friends and Joe's niece had planned for Joe and her mum to go. So I kind of tagged along because we were going to lunch afterwards. So it's kind of an odd experience. So you kind of go and you've got to pay to go in the room. Really? <laughs> Far out. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be taking business. you'll be taking the family this week. I'll get hay fever. I'll walk in and I'll be sneezing. Oh, do you get hay fever? Do you? Yeah. Okay. So, so what happens is, so you walk along, you walk in. I didn't realize you're paying to go in the room. I said, like, "What's all that about? Like twelve bucks to go see some cats." Back of that. So you walk, you, you go in, and you get an hour in the room with the cats, and you basically the room's kind of maybe double the size of this lounge, um, and you get your food, but they give you food in a container because you can't get the cats eating the food and your coffee or you drink, you drink your coffee, but you've got to put your cup, your saucer over the top of it afterwards because 
they don't have to lick the yeah anything like that. And you walk in the room, and there's probably fifteen cats in the room. But the was a bit bizarre because you're not allowed to pick the cats up. This is bizarre. I just thought the cat cafe you took your cat along. <laughs> no, no, <at> all. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and now I'm going to be honest, Sean. Not my thing. No, no. I did pet a few cats. I know a bit cute and stuff, and um, they're all. But you can end up adopting the cats. So all the cats are kind of they're they're, known, they're not kittens, mm. but most of the cats end up getting adopted. Um, uh, but the the girls that took me, Joe and, and um, Amelia and her mum, they really enjoyed it. They got a lot out of it. Great. I'm happy for them. I probably wouldn't go back again. Yeah. <laughs> probably wouldn't. Yeah. And then a band on Saturday night with the band. The band played live. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, John. Nobody there this time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a long weekend. Well, first of all, races. So the races on Saturday. Got and <laughs> So it was a total disaster. You had basically across you have two races day. You have Tuesday, which is horse races. So yeah. what's on Tuesday? The trots. It means they're on the on the cart, aren't yeah. they? And then on the Saturday, it's the. Saturday's the gallops, and so that's what, what I often go to. And we were on the fence this year. We're going, should we go? Should we not go? Why didn't you go? Uh, it's 115 bucks a ticket just to get into the members' area. That's really? get nothing for that, but there's, there's, there's benefits to it. We've got friends who've got yep. a vehicle Still there and stuff. Yep, yep. So, yeah. We just said, oh, we'd rather. The kids really, Thomas really want to go for a walk. We'll do that instead. We'll just we'll flag it for this year. Yep. End up being quite a nice day. Yeah, it would have been a great day. Uh, but after race three, they had to cancel it. There's so there a problem for horses on oh, the track. So one horse just about broke its leg. And so they canceled all the races. Yeah. Carnage. So, so they had that. Then the rugby, which was stunning, and then it was a wet night. So I said to my bandmates, we were playing at 10, I said, look, I'll, I'll come straight from the rugby because we're in all rugby. And I'm driving there, and Dave, this thing goes, not many people here. I walk, <laughs> there's like 10 people there, and it's a big venue. And Everyone's watching the rugby. Oh, yeah, and, and it was a wet night. Who's going out afterwards? Yeah. And it had been a big day. But the funny thing was, the band for us, I wasn't there for this, but Dave was. The band for, for us was basically like a high school band. Yeah. Um, or a young, young band, and they're kind of getting their first time playing live. And Dave said, no one's there. And then they play their first song, and then like 30 hot young girls walk in the room. Yeah. And Dave thought, oh, I must be all their mates. Yeah. You know, all their mates have turned up to support them. And, and you know, they must have been loving it because of these hot chicks. The band played one song, and all the girls got out and walked out. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they were pretty hot. Because as a, as a young man, yeah. you're thinking, yeah, I'm in, I'm in tonight. Mm. And they leave after one song, so it's disappointing. What about this week, Jonbo? Uh, starting to get ready for the Oxman event. So it's this weekend? It's the weekend after next, so this week is the big ramp up for that. I went to the physio yesterday, a guy yes. called Matt mm-hmm. at Sports Med. Mm-hmm. Um, he's thinking about doing it. Oh, good. Better get his entry in. Yeah, probably oh, isn't, because you yeah. know people like. Yeah. yeah, I do. So I think, yep, so he's thinking about doing it, so there you go. Um, Bevan, you got anything interesting on this week? I'm going to quiz him. What should oh, I do in right, Give me one thing. Patagonia is always good. Going to Patagonia oh, yeah, chocolates. chocolates. Uh, We're going, going to getting... White Wing and Whites or Wong and Whites. Okay. Wing, wing Whites. Wing. Yeah. <laughs> White and Wongs. Okay. Uh, good restaurant. That would be um, a, yeah, get a, get a hot chocolate at uh, okay, that I'm place. Do so do, they do the proper hot yeah, chocolates. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And what else in Queenstown? Oh, just going, going for a walk where you get some elevation. Yeah, that's easy mm. to do in Queenstown. Mm. We will do a walk. The boy we stay has got a really good spa and actually here we go. Uh, yeah, there's a good one. They get the boat. There's a, a, a little sort of uh, shuttle boat that goes from Queenstown all the way down to Frankton, which is the other end of the the lake. Yep. And it spot stops off uh, at a few different places. And if you get this, the first stop, I think it's Bayswater across from there, you can do a loop around the golf course. Beautiful walk. Oh, okay. Beautiful walk. Okay. Well, John, you've sorted out my mm. trip. 
There you go. And White and Wong's as well. Right. Seriously, if you go to Queenstown, maybe the best restaurant there. Nice. Oh, and you eat. Yeah, yeah. Last time I got a Christmas, mum gave us a voucher to go there. And um, it was quite a, quite a decent voucher. So you could do like a, a set menu mm. and you could do like a four or you know mm. eight. I got the 12. I was pretty sick that Shrug. night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was not in a good place. We had one of them on Epic Camp. We went to this, it was like a buffet, not a buffet, it was a, a feast. Yeah, a feast. And, and the, they cater for one extra on our table. And this was one spare seat. Man, we had to battle to finish really? everything. And you guys, it's big eaters on Epic oh, Camp. Oh, yeah, that was big. That was tough. Nice work. I'm proud of you. I'm Russ. Let's wrap it up. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.